Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. If you're new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we are in part two of a series called Better. And in this series, what we're doing is we're trying to learn how to have better relationships. And the reality for all of us is that we all have relationships no matter where we go. We have relationships at home, in our neighborhoods, at school, at work. No matter where we go, we're going to be in relationship with somebody else. And some of those relationships are great. Others of those relationships aren't so great. And there's always this relationship that, that we're in that we wish was better. So I'm just curious, how many of you have ever been in a relationship at any point in your life that you wished was better? Okay, so that applies to most of us. If you didn't raise your hand, we would like to be in a relationship with you. And then after that, maybe you would wish that the relationship was better. So it really does apply to all of us. So in this series, what we're trying to do is we're trying to learn from God's truth how to have some better relationships when it comes to the core relationships that we can have. So last week, we looked at dating relationships, how to have better dating relationships. Next week, we're going to look at how to have better friendships. Then we're going to look at how to have better family relationships. And today, we're going to look at how to have better marriages. And as we kind of get started in that, I need to give you a little teaser. I think God is going to give us what is kind of the secret ingredient for how to do that today. So if you're married or if you ever hope to be married in your life, I hope that you'll really pay attention to what we're going to be talking about today. Now, um, I have a piece of advice that I want to give the men in the room, okay? So I've got some marital advice for you. And it's going to come in a creative kind of a way, but it's really good marital advice. It can save you from all kinds of heartache and pain if you'll just pay attention and apply it to your life. So it's going to be delivered in a song, not by me, (laughs) but by this guy. So take a look at this. So you're partially clapping. I thought the ladies would really be clapping. You know, that, that's really not good, you know, stuff to do in your marriage. So guys, it, like if you want to stay alive, don't say that kind of stuff. And I just got, got to let you know, we work hard to bring you relevant, fresh teaching that you can apply to your life. And that's just an example of that. Actually, today we're going to be uh, getting some more marital advice out of the book of Ephesians. So if you have a Bible with you, feel free to flip over to Ephesians chapter 5. If you've got a smartphone with you, feel free to bring it up there. Uh, Verses will also come up on the screen. And while you're turning there, let me give you a little disclaimer. What we're going to read today and learn from God today is very challenging. And it's just going to stretch us beyond what some of us like to bear. So when you uh, read through what we're going to be reading, just know you're going to be challenged, you're going to be stretched. And sometimes when we read difficult things in Scripture, some of us have that tendency to go, I don't want to do that. Like, that's too hard. That's too difficult. I don't understand that. So we hear the first part of maybe what God has to say to us, and we ignore the rest because we don't like what we heard. So I want to challenge you today, don't do that. Be open to listening and hearing what God has to say, because I really think it can transform your marriage. It can transform your current marriage. It can transform a future marriage. It can transform relationships. We're going to learn some super valuable stuff today. So here's what I'd like you to do with me. So if you would, cup your ears like this. 
cup your ears, all right? And then I'd like you to repeat after me, okay? I'm going to say a sentence. I'm going to say it slowly, and you just repeat back, okay? I will listen, I will listen. and stay open, stay open to what God has to say to me today. Great. Good job, everybody. Now, that does not mean that you're going to agree or like everything that you hear today. It just means you're going to stay open and you're going to listen and see how maybe what God has to offer might transform a relationship that you're in. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And this uh, book is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this letter to a church in Ephesus, and he wrote all kinds of things to them. He talked to them about how to have unity in Christ. He talked to them about God's plan for salvation that's available to everybody, Jews and Gentiles alike, and he talks about spiritual warfare, and then he zeroes in, he talks about what our marriages should look like as Christ followers. So in verse 21, he says, and further... It's kind of like saying, after all the stuff I've talked about already, in addition to that and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but there is one word in that sentence that I struggle with. Does anybody know what that word might be? Submit. Maybe you struggle with it as well. Okay. I'm amongst a good company here. So I think we, we all like struggle with that word. And I think part of our struggle is we all kind of have different definitions for what that word means. So when you hear the word submit, I'd like to hear from you out loud. Like, what do you hear? What do you think of? Control. Control. Give in. Obey. obey. Dominated. Somebody said something over here. Maybe they didn't. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody said it over there, and I heard it over here. What was that? Put others first. You gave the Jesus answer, Pete. That was awesome. That's awesome. Not as spiritual as you, so that's usually not what I think of when I hear the word submit. One day, I'll be more like Pete. So for me, when I first read that kind of stuff, I hear the word submission like the hair in my head doesn't stand up because it already stood up and left, but the hair in the back of my neck does, and... So it's kind of like, ooh, like that's difficult. And what comes into my mind is the word doormat. So I think like, oh, I'm supposed to be the doormat, just laying on the ground, let everybody do whatever they want, wipe their feet all over me, and I'm just supposed to submit, and it's supposed to be okay because I'm some super spiritual guy. I struggle with that. Anybody else willing to admit that you struggle with that? Yeah, it's hard for us sometimes when we come across a word that we don't really understand what it means. Um, usually the definitions that we come up with, that's not the definition, the biblical definition of submission. Biblical definition of submission carries uh, this context with it. It carries this idea of strongly supporting someone else. It actually means to place oneself under. So I want you to get this concept with me, okay? So imagine your spouse, your husband, your wife, somebody that you love, imagine that they are carrying a weight that they are struggling to carry. So imagine there's this big weight that's placed on their shoulders and they are struggling to keep it up. So you see your spouse like that, maybe we'll put it in a more practical context. Your spouse walks in the front door with a load of groceries, Okay, so they've got all the groceries. They decided to do it in one trip, not 10. One trip, they're coming in struggling, and you're watching TV. What are you going to do? 
you want to have a great marriage, you get up and you go help. If you don't, you sit and watch. So we get the idea of coming in and helping. So the biblical context of this in these verses is to come in, step in under the weight and help strongly support your spouse in the weight that they are carrying. That's a very different definition than what we often come up with when it comes to supporting someone else or it comes to submission. So I want you to listen to what Jesus said about this. In uh, John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus talked about his own submission. He talked about strongly supporting God the Father. So he said this, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. So Jesus said, listen, I'm submitting to God the Father. I am strongly supporting what God the Father once done on planet Earth. And guess who benefits because of Christ's submission to the Father? We do. Yeah, we benefit. If you're a Christ follower or ever become a Christ follower, put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will benefit for all of eternity. Why? Because Jesus laid down and, and, and became a doormat? No, because Jesus strongly supported what God the Father wanted done. So when I think about submission in terms of strongly supporting my spouse, it changes for me. It changes how I engage it, how I want to apply it to my life. Verse 22 is going to talk about what submission looks like for wives. Okay, so ladies, uh, this is going to be spoken to you. It's a chance. If you're taking notes, now's your time to take notes. Men, if you're taking notes, put your pen down. This is not your time to take notes. This isn't being spoken to you. Okay, pay attention, but this isn't being spoken to you, so don't write. Okay, verse 22. It says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church, and as the church submits to Christ, you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Don't raise your hands, but there might be a few ladies here with their hair prickling on the back of their necks. I'm not sure. And this is where some people like, get a little offended and read that and go, submit? Like, like, you don't know my husband. You don't know what kind of guy he is and how he lives. Like, why would I want to submit to him? So again, remember, open ears to listen and hear what God has to say to us today. And here's what I think we need to understand. When God looks at our marriages, the first person that he sees is the husband. The person that he holds the most responsible for the condition of marriages is men. The, the person who will stand before God and give an account for how we've treated our wives, our children, how we've led our families and ourselves is men. So guys, let that sink in for just a minute. There will be conversations that you have with God about your wife and how you've treated her and about your family and how you've led them that will only happen between you and him. There are conversations that only I and God will have about how I treated my wife, Tammy, and how I led my family. And I don't know about you guys, but that is a super humbling thing for me because there are many moments I'm not doing a great job. There are many moments I think I could be a better husband. There are many, many moments I think I could be a better a father to my kids. One of the greatest things that Tammy could do for me 
is to strongly support me in that role and that load that, that has been placed on my shoulders. And what I, I think for, for any woman anywhere, one of the greatest things you can do for the man that you're married to is strongly support him in the weight that is on his shoulders from how God looks at our marriages. Now we're gonna come back to what it means and look a little bit more for what it means for women to submit to their husbands. Um, But first, let's look at what it means for men to submit to their wives. And some of you may say, well, that doesn't sound biblical. I grew up in a church culture that never taught verse 21 of Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 verse 21 says, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. And there were some moments when I heard that later in life and I thought, where was that from? Like, that's not in the Bible because most pastors that I ever heard teach this passage started at verse 22 when it said for wives. Oh, but you go one verse above and it says submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Well, what does that mean? Verse 25, Paul talks about that for men. So men, here's the time to pick up your pen. Ladies, you can put your pen down for now. Verse 25 says for husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church. And how did he love the church? He says he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she would be holy and without fault in the same way. So in the same way that Christ gave up his life for the church, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. So I'm going to ask a rhetorical question of the women in the room. So no need to answer this. But how many of you women would be willing to strongly support a man who would live and die for you daily? Like, like a number of you are raising your hand. I, I think most people, most women would be willing to do that if they knew that they were married to a man that said, listen, I'll, I'll live and die for you. I will strongly support you in every way possible. I'll do that the way that Christ did that for the church. I don't know if there would be any woman not willing to strongly support a man that would do that. And I think about the problems that we have in our world between men and women. I would say most of those problems are a result of us failing to live out these verses where men have failed to strongly support their wives and strongly support the women around them where women have failed to strongly support the men around them. So just imagine what our world could look like if we just decided to apply these few verses to our lives. Just imagine like the the problems around the world that could go away instantly if men just learned to strongly support women. And if women continued to learn how to strongly support men. I think we'd live in a different world. And then I want you to personalize this for just a minute and think about your relationship, your marriage. And maybe if you're married right now, think about that and think about how your marriage might be better if you chose to really apply these verses and learn what they mean. I think our world can be very different. I think our marriages, our lives can be very different if we learn how to apply this truth. Verse 28 says, 
For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. We talked about that last week. And then Paul says, this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So get what he's saying here. If you're a Christ follower, if you're in a Christian marriage, your marriage is a reflection of our relationship with God, how God feels about us. So when people look at your marriage, do they see that? Do they see a reflection and they think, oh man, God loves me because of what I see in their relationship? Are people drawn in and up because of your relationship and how you treat each other? If not, you got some more work to do in your relationship. Then in verse 33, we are given what I think is the secret to submission, the secret to strongly supporting each other. It says this. It says, so again, I say each man must, tell me what that next word is, must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, I'm sure you noticed that Paul said something different to men and women, And I've often wondered, why would he say that? Why didn't he just say love each other? Wouldn't that just solve everything? Well, I think it doesn't solve everything because God has wired men and women a little differently. Is it a lot differently? So (laughs) has anybody else noticed that men and women are different? Anybody noticed that? Well, I'm glad that a few of you have noticed that because we live in a culture, we live in a world where for past 25, 30 some years, people have been telling us men and women are the same. They're just the same. And when you hear that message from our culture, don't buy into it. Don't believe it because it's not true. Not only are there external differences, there are some internal differences as well. And I think we need to understand that. And when we understand that, we can understand how to actually apply what we're talking about in these verses here. So uh, I was in a small group conversation, one of our community groups, a couples group that my wife and I are in. We were talking about this subject. Uh, we were talking about um, men loving wives and wives respecting husbands. And uh, one of the group members reminded me of some of the core differences between little boys and little girls and men and women. It comes from what an author by the name of John Eldridge wrote a number of years ago. So I want you to listen to what he said about this. He said this. He said, every little boy is asking one basic question. You notice it in nearly everything he does. Every boy wants to know, do I have what it takes? And then he says this. Every little girl is asking one basic question too. But it's a very different question, and you can observe it in nearly everything that she does. Every little girl wants to know, am I lovely? Am I captivating? And I think we can argue all day long about social influences and how they've shaped men and women throughout the years, but I think that little statement that he made about boys and girls captures the core differences between men and women because that's how God's wired us. I think the reason that God told women to respect husbands and husbands to love their wives is because it's tied to our internal wiring, how God has designed us. And get this, ladies, you are perfectly designed by God to help answer the core question that your man is asking. Almost every day of your man's life, he's wondering, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to succeed? 
Do I have what it takes to succeed at work? Do I have what it takes to provide for my family? Do I have what it takes to to be the husband I need to be, the father that I, I need to be? You're perfectly designed by God to help answer that question. And men, you are perfectly designed by God to help answer the question that your wife is asking many days of her life. Am I lovely? Am I valuable? Am I worth pursuing? Am I worth fighting for? You can help answer that core question. So the next big question that we need to answer is how do we learn to do that? How do men learn to love their wives? How do wives learn to respect their husbands? I think the first step is in this. It's in deciding to want to. Deciding to want to. Deciding to want to learn. Like saying, I'm going to learn how to show love or respect. Like I want to learn this and I'm going to learn how to strongly support my spouse. So the first issue is an issue of motivation. And I want you to think about the many marital struggles that could drift away quickly if a couple just said, I want to, and I'm going to. I'm going to learn how to do this. So once we step beyond the motivation issue and into the next step, the next step is this. It's learning to define what love and respect looks like in your marriage. It looks different in in each marriage. It's not exactly the same. And each individual person in a a marriage needs to help uh, give some flesh to what that looks like for them. So in our couples group, as we've been talking about this issue, each couple has defined love and respect a little bit differently. And it's been valuable to hear that kind of stuff. For one lady, something, one thing is kind of specific and valuable. For another man, something else is specific and valuable. And so we have to kind of learn that for each other. So our first homework assignment, for those of you who are motivated to have better marriages, is this. I want you to go home today. I want you to talk to your, your spouse I want you to ask them how they define love or respect and how you can do more of that for them and ask them to be specific in their examples. And as you're doing that, here's what I encourage you to do. Zip this, lock this, clamp this, and open these, okay? So just listen to what they have to say. Don't try to predict what they're going to say. Don't mentally argue with them about what they are saying and and say, I do that all the time. You're not paying attention to, to what I'm already doing. Just listen and be a learner. Be a student of your spouse. My wife and I have had conversations like that multiple occasions in our marriage, and it's been so beneficial. And as we began kind of the journey of learning this concept of love and respect, we didn't really know how to define it for each other. Like, we struggled with that. And, you know, I felt like the love part, like, made a little bit more sense. The respect part, like, I didn't quite connect with it. I, I did connect with it, but I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know how to articulate that to my wife. And so we began a journey of having multiple conversations. And when we kind of stumbled on something that felt a little disrespectful or felt a little unloving, then we would capture that. We would talk about it and say, hey, here's an example of of what I mean when I say, like, I, I want you to love me and this is how you can love me. Or here's an example of what respect feels like to me. So I strongly encourage you to have those kind of conversations. So I want to give you a couple of examples from my marriage that might help you in your conversations as well. So my wife has told me that she feels most loved when I reassure her of my love. 
when I reassure her on a regular basis that I love her, then she feels loved and valued by me. And, and there's moments that I forget that. Like, you know, like I did that on our wedding day and I thought it would stick for the past 25 years and it, you know, it just hasn't stuck. And there, you know, there are moments that I forget. She needs that reassurance from me. Now, understand that's tied to a question. It's tied to a core question that she's asking. Am I lovely? Am I valuable? Am I enough? Am I still worth pursuing? Uh, she and I were in a conversation about this recently, and uh, she was having a bad morning, and it was just one of those days. She wasn't feeling good. A few things weren't going her way. It was just kind of, a, just kind of one of those mornings. It was kind of blah. And I noticed that for her, and so I, I'm thinking, like, hey, I'm just going to show you love. I'm going to demonstrate love. So I started doing stuff in the kitchen. I, like, I'm cleaning out the, the sink. I put the dishes away. I'm folding the clothes. I'm vacuuming. I'm doing all that kind of stuff, like, just demonstrating, like, I love you. It's going to be okay. Bad day for you, but I get it. It's getting better because, you know, here I am, knight in shining armor. I'm, I'm vacuuming. Like, woo, that's amazing. And, and my wife just, in a moment, she paused and said, I just need to be reminded, do you love me? No, guys, here's how I answered, and don't do this. <laughs> this is how I honestly answered. I said, have you not been paying attention all morning? Like, I get it. I, like, I know, if you're like in shock that I said that and, and in shock that we're still married, I, I am too. Yeah, I'm in shock that I'm not in a body cast after that. So I actually said, like, all morning long, I've been trying to sh demonstrate love to you. All, I mean, I did the dishes. I'm vacuuming. I'm doing everything to kind of demonstrate love for you. Have you not noticed? And um, ladies, I'm sure you're in shock that she didn't feel just super loved in that moment. She didn't. I missed it, guys. I missed an opportunity to help answer that question that she has. And so I had some damage control to do. I had some things to work on to help fix that. And um, man, I just felt so bad when I recognized and, you know, like, oh, I missed it. I missed it. I'm, that's probably why we're teaching about it, you know, today, because I missed it. And I got to keep working on that. But Tammy has told me on a number of occasions that when I reassure her of my love, it makes her feel most loved. Now, for me, here's an example of respect for me. There are moments that I have to make decisions that don't affect Tammy and I, don't affect our marriage. It might affect our church. It might affect something else. But I get some input from her on that. But there are moments the decision is left to me alone that I've got to make. And I feel most supported by her when she says, Trent, I know that you will make a great God-honoring decision, and I support you in that decision. Like That just speaks volumes to me. Again, there are many occasions where I have to make a decision and I have one group that wants me to make this decision and another group that wants me to make this decision. Whatever decision I make, there's going to be unhappy people around me. And when Tammy comes alongside and strongly supports me by saying, I think you're going to make the, the best God-honoring decision possible and I support you in that, I feel strongly supported by her and I feel respected by her. Now, I don't know what love looks like in your relationship. I don't know what respect looks like in your relationship. You might not either. You might not have had these conversations, but I encourage you to have them. If you do know, I encourage you to keep defining what that would look like in your relationship because it can radically transform your marriage. So as we close, I have six recommendations for you.
for those of you who are desiring to have a, a better marriage. And I know six sounds like a lot of stuff to remember, but I've put it on our spiritual growth challenge. So before you leave today, stop by our Connection Center and pick up one of those. If there's not one there, go to our website later this week when this message is posted, and then you can download one from there as well. So six different things I think can help us have a great marriage. So the first thing is this. Read Ephesians chapter 5 every day this week. Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 21, don't leave out verse 21, verse 21 to verse 33, every day. So every day you wake up or whenever you would be open to reading scripture and if it's after your coffee or whatever, whenever your ears are most open and your heart is most open, just spend some time reading it, maybe even multiple times in a day. Read and ask God to transform you with his truth. Marinate in it ponder on it, meditate on it. We're told in scripture to meditate on God's truth on a regular basis. So spend some time marinating in that and asking God to teach you how to apply what you're learning. Second thing is this, ask your significant other how they define love and respect and how you can do that more for them. And remember, zip it, lock it, clamp it, open it. Okay, listen to what they have to say. Number three, Learn to answer the core question your spouse is asking. Ladies, let your husband know you think he has what it takes. You think he has what it takes to succeed in life. Guys, let your wife know you think she's captivating. You think she's more than enough. You think she's still worth pursuing and fighting for. Help answer those core questions your spouse is asking. Number four, get into one of our community groups. So you heard we've got groups starting right now, our five-week group experience for those of you who aren't connected in a group yet. If you're not connected in a group, I really encourage you to stop by our community group table on your way out, talk with Tim about how to get connected in one of those groups. We were designed by God to be in relationships with other people, and many of us need those relationships in a context of a church family where we can learn to apply the truth of God to our relationships. And so if you're not in a community group, stop by and find out how you can do that. If you are in a community group, choose to go deeper with that group. Invite that group into your life to really help you become the best man, the best woman that God wants you to be. Again, we were designed to be in those kind of relationships. Number five. Get one of the resources on our Spiritual Growth Challenge and engage it in the next month. So on our Spiritual Growth Challenge, I've listed, I think, about five different things that have benefited Tammy and I in our marriage. So I've listed several books, I've listed a movie, and I've listed a conference that we've engaged all of those things. And each one of those things has helped us. And I really encourage you to get our Spiritual Growth Challenge, commit to engaging at least one of those things. So if it's a book, read it in this next month. If it's a movie, watch it in this next month. If it's that conference, it's called Weekend to Remember, I encourage you to sign up for that conference within the next month. We have some locally. There's one in Orlando. I think there's one in Jacksonville. So we have some close enough that you could go and make an investment in your marriage in a weekend and see some great results. Last thing is this. Be the one to go first. Be the one to go first. Often, uh, what we do when, when we're in situations that are, aren't great in our marriages, often um, we'll take a lot of notes in church for our spouse and go home and offer it to them. Man, I took some great, there was a great message at church today. I took some great notes for you on how to love me better or how to respect me better. If you'll do this, it'll be awesome. 
So don't do that. Be the one that goes first. In many moments in my marriage, I have had this stance. And it's been like this. I'll go second. After she goes, I'll go. But I'm not going to go first. But let me fast forward all of our lives into an encounter that Scripture says will happen. And I think it's 2 Corinthians. It says that one day we'll each give an account to God for our lives. We'll stand before God. We'll stare into the eyes of a holy God and give an account for our lives. So imagine what that'll be like one day. I think God will ask us some questions about our lives. I think he won't spend a lot of time lecturing. I think he'll just ask questions. One of those questions might be about our marriage. Why didn't you go first? Imagine how many excuses we'll have in that moment. Zero. So let's take responsibility for ourselves. You can't fix your spouse, but you can work on you. So take responsibility for your life, the stuff that you need to work on, and you be the one to go first. I think those six things can help us learn to have better marriages. Now, as we close today, I want to pray for those of you who are married, um, because I know in a crowd like this size, um, some of the couples that are here, your marriage is going great. And if so, awesome. I'm sure you're applying some of this stuff. Even if you didn't know some of this stuff, you're probably applying some of this truth that we learned. But there might be some marriages here that aren't so great. There might be some marriages kind of holding on by a thread. And maybe you heard about this. Maybe somebody invited you to church this morning and you came just thinking, I'll just give it a try. I don't know that it's going to work. We'll just give it this one last try. I want to pray for you this morning. So if we'd all stand together, let's pray. Lord, you have captured some very challenging things in Ephesians 5 for us to do in our marriages. And, Lord, so often we can't even get past the third word when we see the word submit. And we struggle and think, well, I'm not doing that. And yet, God, often we struggle with that because we don't understand a true definition. Like We don't know what that really means. And then when we watch you, Jesus... Submit to God the Father, and we benefit from that. Lord, when I see that, and I learn that my job is to strongly support my wife, that softens my heart, it humbles me, makes me want to engage what true biblical submission looks like. And so, Lord, this morning I pray for our marriages here, where we have some couples and their marriage is doing great, I'm so excited for them and grateful for them. And I pray that they would recognize that their marriage is a reflection of our relationship with you and they would let their marital light shine for other people to see. And yet, God, there's probably some marriages here this morning that aren't so great, that are painful. And the couple is wondering if they're going to even make it another week. God, I pray that that they would have gotten some real handles this morning on how to learn to strongly support each other, how to learn to love and how to learn to respect. And Lord, I pray that they would walk out of here today with a motivation to go first, to not sit and wait, but to go first and to learn 
what you want them to learn. So Lord, we want to spend some time in Ephesians chapter 5 this week marinating in that truth and meditating on that truth and allowing you to transform our lives and our hearts from it. So we want to build better marriages. And Lord, I, I really think you've given us the secret for how to do that. Lord, may we choose to apply it to our lives. And Lord, may we also choose to love our spouse the way that you love us. And we're going to sing a closing song today about your amazing love for us. So Lord, may we have that kind of love for our spouse. In Jesus' name, amen.